This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, in the many emails and letters I've received about this show coming up, I'm always surprised that a good many of the folks writing in are fans of westerns that are featured. No surprise that the westerns on radio, Gunsmoke, is by far the very favorite. It's an American radio and television western drama series created by director Norman MacDonald and writer John Meston. The stories take place in and around Dodge City, Kansas, during the settlement of the American West. The radio version ran from 1952 to 1961 and is commonly regarded as one of the finest radio dramas of all time. Tonight we're going to hear the episode Cavalcade, and this show was first aired in 1953. the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Could I give you some more coffee? Uh, yeah, I guess so. How about you, Chester? Yes, sir, I believe I will. Now, why don't you just leave the coffee pot here on the table, Miss Keller? Why, sure thing, Marshal. Right. Well, I got some fresh eggs this morning, if you're interested. They oh. were just brought in. Well, good, good. Uh, cook us up about a half a dozen of them, huh? Have them for you right away, Mr. Dillon. <laughs> All right. Fresh eggs, my. Yeah. I'll swear if Delmonico's ain't getting to be about as fancy as some of them Kansas City restaurants. <laughs> well, that's civilization, Chester. Progress. Another five years and Dodge City will be tamed, curried, and bridled. <laughs> see, and believe it, Mr. Dillon. No, you'll see it. Both of us will see it. That is, if we live that long. Yeah. I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Uh, you Mr. Dillon, yeah. the marshal here? Uh, yes, that's right. Well, I'm sorry to bother you at breakfast, marshal. My name is Hunter. Ed Hunter. Mr. Hunter. I'm a deputy sheriff from Richmond, Virginia. Come in on the Santa Fe this morning. I see. Well, uh, why don't you pull up a chair, Mr. Hunter? Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, Chester Proudfoot, Mr. Hunter. How do you do? How do you do? This is my first trip to the frontier. 
I found it a rather remarkable experience. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, won't you have some coffee? Oh, no, thank you. Marshal, I'm here to arrest two men who are wanted in Virginia. No? Yeah, the warrants and the orders of extradition. I stopped off for them in Topeka. Uh-huh. Uh, John Allison. Calvin Moore. Both wanted for murder, huh? Hey, do you know these men, Mr. Hunter? No, sir, I don't. Well, the names aren't familiar to me. I never heard of them. Have you a Chester? No, no, sir, Mr. Newman. Well, I have some information that may help. Not much on Allison, I'm afraid. He shot and killed a bank teller at Greenbrier last spring. Oh? He's about 30 years old, dark hair and mustache, medium build, an excellent horseman and a confirmed gambler. <laughs> well, that's fine. That narrows it down to about two-thirds of the men in Dodge City. <laughs> Well, possibly I can do a bit better in regard to Calvin Moore, Mr. Hill. Now, he came down to Richmond from the north and set up practice as a medical doctor. He was about 29 at the time. And he ambushed and shot young Roger Beauregard and then left town. That was uh, 17 years ago. Beauregard's been trying to trace him ever since. Well, I'm afraid that's pretty well, I have a time. picture of Moore, photographed. Oh? Of course, he was much younger than this. Well, sometimes there's still quite a resemblance even after 17... Something familiar about that picture, Mr. Dillon? Uh, uh, 17 years. He must be somewhere past 45 now, huh? Hmm. Are you sure that these men are here in Dodge, Mr. Hunter? Reasonably so. Is there something about that photograph that makes you... Well, it's, it's too blurred to tell much about it. Besides, he'd be 17 years older. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll tell you what, Mr. Hunter. Suppose you leave the picture and the descriptions with me, and I'll check around town and I'll keep in touch with you. Uh, thank you, sir. Oh, I wonder if you might suggest a good hotel. Uh, certainly. Why don't you try the Dodge House? It's the corner of Railroad Avenue at the end of the plaza, the east end. Uh, tell the deacon I sent you. Uh, thank you again, Mr. Dillon. And I'll be grateful for any help you can give me in this matter. Yeah, sure. So long. You want to see the photograph, Chester? Yes, sir, I do. Well, well Mr. Dillon, that is... That's... Yeah, What are you going to do, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. He's my friend. I, I, I never asked him anything about his life before he came here. Didn't seem to matter. But now the law says he's a murderer. I'm part of the law. So now it does matter. Maybe it's not him. No, it's him. All right, Chester. You saw it the same as I did. It's dark. Work, 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 work. This is the first chance I've had this week to clean a few instruments properly. Gunshot wounds. Oh, Matt. I'll lay odds I'm the only doctor in the United States who makes three-fourths of his living off of gunshot wounds. <laughs> That's a rough country, Doc. Yes, indeed, it's a rough country. Uh, maybe you ought to have stayed back east. Yes, huh? see, broken bones, babies, and gunshot wounds. Well, I wouldn't know the first thing about a good civilized case of gout anymore. Uh... What part of the East did you come from, Doc? You see, I went to medical school in Boston. I studied consumption, colic, liver complaints. 
<laughs> Never had a case of liver complaint in all the time I've been here, though. No, I guess that kind of thing is more common down south, around uh, Richmond, Virginia, for instance, huh? Matt, stop beating around the bush. You've got something on your mind, and it's bothering you. Look, Doc, uh, a deputy sheriff from Virginia came in on the morning train. He's got a warrant for murder against a man named Calvin Moore. He's got a photograph of Moore taken 17 years ago. Would you like to look at it? All things are taken from us and become portions and parcels of the dreadful past. Are you Calvin Moore? It wasn't murder, Matt. They said it was murder, of course. The Beauregards were an important family. Would you like to tell me about it? Oh, not much to tell, Matt. I had been in practice in Richmond about a year. There was a girl. Beautiful girl. With spirit and fire and that soft radiance that only southern girls seem to have. Me, that was so long ago. I've been in the south myself. Roger Beauregard and I were both caught in this girl. He was a typical Virginia gentleman, hot-headed, used to having his own way. He started threatening me, warning me. And I laughed it off. Then one day I was coming back from a case, and I ran into Roger on a country road. He had a pair of dueling pistols, and he challenged me. But, well, that's not a crime, Doc. That's self-defense. It's not a crime here or anywhere. Well, I tried to talk him out of it, but he was crazy mad. He... He shoved one of the pistols in my hand, and he pulled back on his horse, and he leveled his gun. I had no choice. We both fired. He missed. I didn't. Self-defense, yes, but there were no witnesses, and I was an outsider, a Yankee. So you ran for it, is that it? I ran for it. St. Louis, Virginia City, Montana Territory, the Panhandle, Wichita, Abilene. In Dodge. I changed my name to Charles Adams. And the, uh, the girl, Doc. What happened to her? I waited for her in St. Louis. We were married there. Two months later, she died of typhoid fever. Well, you never know. No matter how much you figure you understand somebody, you... Quite never know. I can't go back there, Matt. I've got no defense. I'd mean prison. I'd rot in prison. I won't go back, Matt. Now, Doc. Look, Hunter is here after two prisoners. I got no right to, to my own rules to go after one man and keep the other one covered. I always figured that the only kind of law that would work out here is an honest law. What are you going to do? Doc, I don't know. You're late, Matt. I decided you weren't going to stop in tonight. Is Chester around? Yeah, over there by the ferro table. Matt, what about this Virginian who's been hanging around for the last two days? Oh, Hunter? Yeah. He's a deputy sheriff, got a couple of warrants to serve. Why? 
Well, he's been asking questions. Some of the boys are getting a little skittish. Well, there's no call for it as long as they're not named Allison or Moore. Are you free now, Miss Kitty, huh? or are you busy? What's it look like? Well, I figured maybe he was just killing time. Uh, hiya, Marshal. Bunko? Uh, bought you a drink, Kitty. Silver on the bar. All right. Thanks. Matt, I'll be off in a couple of hours. Drop around. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Understand you've got a rival lawman in town, Marshal. Well, there's a deputy here from Virginia, if that's what you mean. I always figured you were the law here. Is he short in this town, Marshal? Say the word, we'll run him out. I ever ask you for help, Bunko? Well, no. When a man's short in Dodge, I'll run him out. And no offense, Marshal. You keep your own cinch tight. Don't worry about anybody else, huh? I'll see you, Bunko. I swear I never saw anybody such bad luck in all my life. My gracious, he ought to swear off Pharaoh and stick this dud. Oh, Chester. Hmm? The old Jethro Keener. He just lost three weeks' pay. And Bunko Benson, sitting right there beside him, mind you, picked up $230. So that's why he's feeling big. Uh, come on, Chester, let's take a walk. Huh? Yes, sir. Three weeks' pay. Mercy, I never saw such luck. What about Doc, Chester? He turned in a couple of hours ago. That's when I came on over here. How's he acting? About as usual. No signs of planning to run out, if that's what you mean, Mr. Don. One thing he's doing, though, that he's never done before, he's toting a gun. Uh, good evening, Marshal. Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Hunter. Since you didn't come to me, Mr. Dillon, I've come to you. I'm wondering what progress you've made. Well, I, uh, I'm still checking. Any results at all, Marshal? Well, I don't have much to go on, you know. Now, Calvin Moore was a doctor by profession. He might still be practicing. I suggest we investigate the local doctors. Well, that wouldn't take long. We've only got one, Doc Adams. How long has he been here? Oh, about four years. How old a man is he? Mm, late 40s, I imagine. But he doesn't show much resemblance to that photograph you gave me. Well, maybe you're too used to him to notice the resemblance. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to look him over myself, Arthur. Well, uh, he's pretty busy out on calls most of the time. and uh, Not all the time. No, not all the time. All right, Mr. Hunter, I'll bring him around. Hmm. That's funny, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he should have answered by now. Well, we're wasting our time, Chester. He's gone. Well, now, he, he, he might have got called out on the case. Yeah, I know, but I don't... Hey, what? Uh, that was across the plaza, down toward the Dodge house. Come on, Chester. Somebody sure is stirring up the smoke. Yeah, that's across the street. Edge of the railroad yards, I think. you, Marshal? Yeah. 
What happened, Mr. Hunter? Somebody tried to kill me. I started into the hotel and they fired from the dock here. I fired back, but he got away. You, uh, get a good look at him? Oh, no, I just saw the flashes. Now, this is an easy town to get killed in, Mr. Hunter. So it seems. About that doctor, Marshal, you didn't bring him around. Well, uh, he's out on call. I think I want to meet him more than ever now. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, there's a world of wonderful entertainment awaiting you every weekday in the daytime with CBS Radio's roster of wonderful dramatic serials. This Monday, listen in. And now, for the second act of Gunsmoke. What time is it, Chester? Uh, 2.15 a.m., Mr. Dillon. Ah. I sure hope we don't have to spend the whole night waiting here. I don't see how Doc puts up with the smell of all this medicine. He's used to it, I guess. Yeah. I suppose a man can get used to anything except dying. You think it could have been him that fired those shots, Mr. Dillon? Chester, hmm? there's somebody coming. Come on in, Bunko. The doc's not here, but he'll probably be... Oh, what happened to your arm? I... I got thrown into a barbed wire fence. Here, let's have a look at it, huh? No, 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 no. It's, it's all right. It's a gunshot wound. All right, hold it, both of you. Well, is that the same gun you tried to kill Hunter with, Bunko? Stay where you are, Marshal. Yeah. Around 30 years old, dark hair, mustache... Medium build, excellent horseman, confirmed gambler. Wanted from her. John Allison. Alias Bunko Benson. Am I right, Bunko? He's not taking it back there. You stay where you are, Dylan. Now don't be a fool, Bunko. Put away the gun. Stay back. I'm... I'm warning you. Bunko, look! Hey, look! What? All right, Chester, let's get him over to the jail. Just hold still now, Bunker. Just one more second. I'll have hold that bullet now, and then we'll just... Ah, there. <laughs> uh, now, add that one to your collection, Matt. Well, I'll make Hunter a present of it. It wasn't bad shooting to be firing in the dark at a gun flash. 
He'll never get me back to Virginia. Now, hold still, Bunko. Oh, Don't expect right, a man but... to tie a bandage with your oh, arm waving around like a mare's tail in fly time. See, how'd you know he'd come to my office, man? I didn't, Doc. We were waiting for you. Oh, I see. There we are. No, no. no. That ought to stop the bleeding. And don't loosen it up, Eddie. <laughs> and you'll live to hang yet. Don't worry about my hanging, Doc. I'll outlive you. Well, in view of the circumstances, uh, I'd say the odds are about even. Well, Matt, shall we adjourn to the front office? Yeah, come on, Doc. Uh, lock the cell, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. Well, I turned in at 10 o'clock tonight. I've got one hour of sleep. They called me over to Mrs. Behan's. She thought her baby was on the way. False alarm, of course. Usually is the first day. And I got back and I came straight over here. Uh, Doc, you were wearing a gun earlier today. What'd you do with it? Oh, I put it back in the drawer where it belongs. I realized I was acting like a fool. Uh, was that where you were waiting in my office? Somebody tried to kill Hunter and, and you thought... Uh, Look, Doc, I, I've i tried to think of some way out of this. Uh, a way out for both of us. I got one man under arrest back there now, and I, I can't rightly set myself up as a judge and free the other man. I'd even hoped you'd cut and run for it. You, you'd get away if you did, you know. Hunter doesn't know the country. I've been running for 17 years, Matt, and, and it's still caught up with me. I'm too old to run any farther. What are you going to do? I'm a lawman, Doc, right or wrong. Well, then I guess I'm under arrest. Huh? No, I, I, I didn't say that. I, I just said that... Oh, there you are, Doc. Yes, yes, what's the trouble? The fellow over in the railroad yard asleep on the track. He was drunk, I guess. They were switching cars. You better come, Doc. He's awful bad. I got two lanterns, Mr. Dillon. That ought to be enough. Good, Chester. You ready, Doc? You're ready as I ever be. All right, let's go. Uh, he's said near the loading pens down this way, I guess. Yes, sir. It looks like some lights over there. People around. Yeah. Marshal, is that you? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, Hunter. Uh, I thought you went to bed hours ago. I'm a light sleeper, Mr. Dillon. I heard there's an accident over in the yards. Thought it might give me a chance to meet your local doctor. Well, I, uh, guess you can meet him right now if you want to. Doc, this is Ed Hunter. Doc Adams. How do you do, sir? Mr. Hunter? I, uh, I got one of your prisoners locked up, Mr. Hunter, John Allison. Known here as Bunko Benson. Good. I just found out he's the man who tried to kill you tonight. He caught one oh? of your bullets in his arm. Oh, I see. Why, then it's one down and one to go. There's Calvin Moore. Dr. Calvin Moore. Uh, this is no time to stand around making chin music. I'm sorry, well, that's Hunter. that's quite all right, Marshal. I'll go with you. Uh, will you pardon us, please? Uh, all right, will you move back and let us through here, please? Here, here, Doc, this way. Yeah, I'm right with you, Matt. Uh, please stand back now, will you? 
give Doc a chance to work. Yes, uh, please, if you please, just stand back. Uh, oh, oh, bad is right. Uh, well, we'll do what we can. Come on. That man who's hurt, Marshal, who is he? Oh, just a drifter. Been around Dodge a couple of years. Calls himself Texas Joe. No friends or family. Nobody knows where he came from. It's the usual story. Oh, easy now, Tex. We'll have you fixed up here in just a couple of shakes. Is is that you, Doc? Hey, that's right. <laughs> I told him, get you, be all right if you got here. Why, sure, it'll be all right. You just lie still now. And... Yeah. Certainly has to work under primitive conditions. Doc? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Chester, will you get those lanterns going and give Doc some more light? Yes, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, he's the only real doctor this side of Abilene. Yes, Mr. Dillon. Is there anything I can do to help? I guess not, Miss Kelly. Thanks, anyway. Poor old Tex. Why, he stopped in the restaurant not more than four hours ago. I fixed him a meal. Uh, you never know. Well, Doc can pull him through if anybody can. Sure he can. Uh, put one of those lanterns on the other side there, Chester. Yes, you You seem to have a lot of faith in this Dr. Adams. They've got reason to, Mr. Hunter. Uh, Matt, uh, could you give me a hand here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, Doc. Uh, lift his head up just a little bit there, Matt. Yeah, That's all right. Not much of a chance. All I can do is make him comfortable. Marshal Dillon. No, don't try to talk, Taxi. You're going to be all right. You, you've been decent to me, Marshal. Mr. Bum, but you treated me square. You and Doc, only friends I got. Sure, Tex. I... I got one more favor to ask. Could someone... Could someone read me some scripture? Oh, Tex, I... I just don't recall anything. Oh, sure, I... I know some. Uh, Mrs. Kelly, I... I doubt if you can... I can hear... Please. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Uh, Mrs. Kelly. He restoreth my soul. Uh, Mrs. Kelly. He... Uh, I think that's enough. Poor son. Well, you can't win them all, I guess. No, you can't win them all, Doctor. Well, I... Doctor, as the only physician here, I suppose you also function as coroner. That's right. This man will be buried under the name of Texas Joe. Hey, don't you worry about that. Excuse Boot Hill is full of men buried under nicknames. In this country, we... Doc! Doc, I just came from... Oh, what, Kitty? Oh, uh, Doc, I've been sitting up with Mrs. B, and you left too soon. She needs you over there right away. Well, then it wasn't a false alarm. No. Oh, all right, Kitty, I'll be there just as quick as I can, but... Well, well, as soon as I... Uh, Kitty, you go on back over and do what you can for her, huh? Doc will be along. Oh, all right, Matt, but... You better hurry. Well, Mr. Hunter, I, uh... Uh, Gentlemen, this seems to have been my lucky night. Both my fugitives located within an hour of each other. 
I guess there's nothing I one can do. One of them safely to... in jail and one of them dead. What? Now, didn't you notice the resemblance, Marshal? That Texas Joe there, he's obviously the man in the photograph. I saw it immediately. Well, Mr. I Hunter, hope you'll I... take all the necessary steps to see that he's buried under his real name, Calvin Moore. His death, of course, closes the case, and I'll be leaving for Virginia with my other prisoner tomorrow. Well, Mr. Hunter, I... I just don't know what to say. I... Now, I'd say it's no time to stand around making chin music, Dr. Adams. You have a patient waiting, and this town seems to depend on you. Well, of course, but... Yeah, you got I... work to do, Doc. And, uh, Doc, make sure it's a boy, huh? Well, I'll, uh... <laughs> um, I'll do my darndest, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good night, gentlemen. Good night, Doc. Good night, Doc. Gunsmoke. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Lou Krugman, Paul Dubov, and Vivi Janis. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for Phil Harris next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Now, Phil Harris was an American comedian, actor, singer, and jazz musician. He was an orchestra leader and a pioneer in radio situation comedy, first with Jack Benny, then in a series in which he co-starred with his wife, singer-actress Alice Faye, for eight years. Harris is also noted for his voice acting in animated films. He played Baloo in The Jungle Book, 1967, Thomas O'Malley in The Aristocats, 1970, and Little John in the Robin Hood uh, film in 1973. In 1981, he sang Back Home Again in Indiana before the Indianapolis 500. And now, Phil welcomes Jack Benny as a special guest. Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs> It's the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Merry Christmas to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, our special guest Jack Benny, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. (laughs) 
The Harris children, like all others, have been on their best behavior for weeks. Let's go back to yesterday, where we find Alice complimenting her children on their good deportment. Now, you've been particularly good, baby Alice, and I'm sure Santa Claus will bring you lots of presents tonight. I hope so, Mommy. And as for you, honey, you've been just as good as Alice. You've been going to bed early, putting your toys away, and eating all your food. The only thing is, you you haven't been drinking all your milk. Well, I try, but you know how that stuff gags me. <laughs> Why, Phil, I'm talking to little Phyllis. Where is she? She was here a minute ago. She went in the den, Mommy. I'll go get her. Phyllis! Phyllis! Mommy wants you to come and... Phyllis, what are you doing with those crayons? I'm going to draw a picture on the wall. Don't do that. You know we got to be good till tonight. But I've been good for three weeks now. Alice, it's an awful strain. <laughs> I know, but it's only a few more hours. Don't crack up now. <laughs> You've been so good for so long. I know. But as Daddy always says, it ain't been easy, Clyde. <laughs> Alice, have you asked Mommy and Daddy about Santa Claus yet? No, but I will. Children, what's going on in here? Yeah, what are you two doing? Mommy, Daddy, we want to ask a favor. We'd like to stay up and see Santa Claus when he brings the presents tonight. Why, honey? Okay, you can stay up and see him. But now you kids run along. Now go ahead and play. Oh, thanks, Daddy. Gee, I can hardly wait for tonight. Oh, Phil, why don't you promise the children that? Now, if they don't see Santa, they'll be very disappointed. But they're going to see him, because I'm going to dress up like Santa and come down the chimney. They won't be able to tell me from the real one. Daddy! Yes, dear? Don't you dress up and make believe you're Santa like last year. Boy, was that corny. <laughs> hmm. You know something, Alice? I still can't figure out how they knew it was me last year. What did I do that was wrong? Well, for one thing, you were supposed to come in singing Jingle Bells. I did. Yes, I know. But those lyrics, I can still hear them. Ham, hocks, turnip greens, they melt right in your mouth. A candied yams and a hominy grits, and that's what I like about the South. Yeah! <laughs> What's wrong with those lyrics? Well, that isn't the way we sing it up north. <laughs> Can I help it if you Yankees don't know the right word? <laughs> Who ever heard of a Brooklyn ham hock? Uh, uh, we'll have to get somebody else to play Santa. Well, I can't understand why I can't do it. I should be able to fool little Phyllis. Why can't I outsmart a five-year-old? Maybe it's because you have the brain of a four-year-old. <laughs> Well, if it isn't our little feathered friend, Fagel Faye. <laughs> Hello, Alice. I just dropped in. Well, Willie, maybe you can help us. We're trying to think of who we can get to play Santa Claus for the girls tonight. We want to get someone who looks and sounds like the real thing. Well, I know just the man. Who? Me. <laughs> I shall be glad to portray Christopher Kringle. Christopher? <laughs> well, Donna, my blitzer. <laughs> Santa Claus, you'd make I'd it. make an excellent one. I'm quite an actor, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see myself popping out of the chimney, bounding into the living room and saying, ho, 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 and a Merry Christmas to you, little kitties, and what do you, wee darlings, desire as a Yuletide memento? Thank you, Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> I'm sorry, Willie, but you're not the right boy. 
Well, if you don't want me to help, we won't. I have to run along anyway. I have to meet my girlfriend at the taxidermist. I hope they did a good job on her. <laughs> hey, Phil, I just thought of a perfect one to play Santa Claus. Don Wilson. Don Wilson? Yeah, old Fatso. <laughs> Fatso, he'd be swell, wouldn't he? Uh, Don is our man. I'll call him right now and see if he can come over tonight. Huh? Hey, that's swell, honey. Gee whiz, now the kids won't be disappointed. Santa will show up. You know, there's something wonderful about watching a kid on Christmas, waiting for Santa and listening for those jingle bells. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Ooh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Ooh, what fun it is to ride in an open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Right over the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bob they ring, they're making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride. And soon Miss Alice Fay was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. We got into a thrifted bank and we, we got upside. Lane and bang bells. Sing and go bells. Singing merrily we go. Gee whiz, I hope Don can make it. He's going to be terrific as Santa. Uh-oh, that must be Frankie. Hi, Curly. Well, if it ain't Francis, the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> hey, you look pretty good, Clyde. Yeah, you look fine. Hey, what do you got in all those packages? Christmas presents. Got some things for the kids and Alice, and here's something for you, Curly. For me? Oh, you got a present for a little old curly-headed me. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Oh, gee, Frankie. That's sweet of you. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's all right, Curly. But the thought. <laughs> you don't know how I appreciated it. Well, it it touches me deeply. If you're going to get sloppy about it, I'll take it back. <laughs> don't stand there. Open it up. See what it is. Gee, Frankie. Just what I wanted. Tissue paper. <laughs> the present's under the paper. Here it is. Why, it's a bottle. It's not just a bottle. It's imported champagne. You bought a bottle of champagne for me? And gee whiz, it's almost half full, too. (laughs) 
They didn't have any splits, so I bought a Magnum and siphoned it off. <laughs> Where's Alice? Oh, she's inside calling Don Wilson. You see, the kids want to see Santa Claus tonight, so we're asking Don to play it. Why are you getting Don Wilson to play Santa? Well, what else am I going to do? We'll let them stay up and see the real Santa Claus. Yeah, but I don't know what time he's coming in. <laughs> Can I have that again, Herman? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you let the kids see the real Santa Claus? You better get some sleep, kid. <laughs> so you're another one of those cynics, huh? A wise guy who don't believe. You do? Of course. Just because you've never seen him don't mean he's not there. You must realize, Curly, there are some things in life that are inexplicable. There exist certain psychic phenomena that are ethereal and beyond the comprehension of we mere mortals. Don't you agree? Oh, indomitably. <laughs> Curly, you can take my word for it. The real guy will show up. I see him every Christmas. That don't prove nothing. <laughs> Proves absolutely nothing. You see a lot of things nobody else sees. All I got to say is it's a good thing kids have more common sense and faith than some grown-ups that Christmas wouldn't be much fun. I know that tonight old St. Nick and his reindeer will come flying through the sky. I'll drop by later. Maybe then you'll sing a different tune. Goodbye. Infidel. <laughs> Poor Remley. He ain't been the same since he switched to Yama yogurt. Bill! Bill, I called Don, but he can't make it. However, he said he had a lot of actor friends, and he'll send one of them over. He said we'd have to pay the actor $10. So what? It's going to be worth $10 to make the kids happy. Honey, uh, did Don say he could get someone positively? Because this is important oh, now, and Bill, I don't want to... Now, look, honey, Don promised to stop worrying. He'll be here a little later. But, Mommy, it's 10 o'clock already, and Santa isn't here yet. Gee, Mommy, do you think maybe he isn't coming? Now, now, don't fret, girls. Of course he's coming. So... You better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows if you've been bad or good, will be good for Better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to
When is that Santa Claus we hired going to show up? Well, he'll be here, Phil. Don said he Hello. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, Merry Christmas, Frankie. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, Renly. Hmm? What do you got there? Milk and cookies for Santa Claus. I put them on the mantle for him every year. Milk and cookies? That old man's been working like a dog tonight. <laughs> Let's leave him something more nourishing, like beer and pretzels. <laughs> Don't be a funny drummer. milk and cookies over the fireplace. Where are the kids? They're upstairs waiting for Santa. Yeah, and I'm waiting, too. When is the guy going to show up? It's after 10 already. Be patient, Curly. He's got a long trip from the North Pole. Besides, his reindeer ain't as young as they used to be in his Oh, keep quiet. <laughs> I'm paying the guy 10 bucks. You'd think he'd get here on time. This subterfuge is also unnecessary. Uh-oh. That must be Santa now. I'll let him in, honey. I'll go with you, honey. Yeah, come on. Well, Merry Christmas, Santa Claus! <laughs> Hello, Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, and where's my ten dollars? <laughs> Hey, Jackson, what are you doing here? Well, Don Wilson happened to mention that you were in the market for a Santa Claus. You were paying $15. But I thought I might as well pick up the 20 Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> the fee is $10. But, Jackson, since when do you have to go around playing Santa Claus for money? Oh, Phil, please, I'm not doing it just for the money. There are other reasons. I'm doing it because, uh... Well, and there's, uh... Oh, I could go on naming reasons like that. <laughs> oh, hello, Frankie. Merry Christmas. How do I look at my Santa Claus outfit? Like a road company of Milton Berle. <laughs> Fine-looking Santa Claus. I think I look charming. <laughs> charming, you said. Where'd you get that messy red suit? It's got spots all over it. I rented it. Santa Claus, uh, Santa Claus had it last year. It was a sloppy eater. Well, how do you think I look? Like a bloodshot leopard. <laughs> I think you look ridiculous. Get a load of that white beard. Where'd you rent that moth-eating thing? That I didn't rent. I was playing uh, canasta with Monty Woolley, and I won it. <laughs> well, you people don't like me as Santa Claus. Oh, pay no attention to these two, Jack. I think you make a wonderful Santa Claus, and you're worth what we're paying you. Phil, give Jack the $10. Okay. Here you are, Jackson. Thanks. Gee, little fellas will get a kick out of this. I'll go call her and, and Jack. Jack, try to convince her you're really Santa Claus, won't you? Little Phyllis? Phil, I thought I was doing this for your benefit. <laughs> if it's for a little Phyllis, I wouldn't think of taking money. No, it's okay, Jackson. A deal's a deal. Oh, please, don't embarrass But, Jackson, I... If it's for the kid, I, I wouldn't think of taking the $10. Well, if you insist... $7.50 is plenty. <laughs> well, what kind of a heel do you think I am? <laughs> now, Phil... Well, it's mighty sweet of you, Jackson, to play Santa Claus for my two kids. Two kids? <laughs> Seven fifty each. <laughs> no, no, I can't take any money. I don't have any money at all. 
Tell you what, Phil, if you want to, you can buy me a little something for Christmas. Like what? Anything that Alice can afford. <laughs> okay, Jackson, but now look, it's up to you now to make the kids think that you're Santa. This impersonation is preposterous. Santa Claus won't like this. Besides, you'll never be able to fool the kid. Oh, I don't know. With this costume and bag of toys over my shoulder, I, I shouldn't have any trouble. No, but it would be awful if you wouldn't, if, uh, if you don't fool them, Jackson, and they'd... Oh, gee, if there was only some kid we could try you out on just to see if you could fool them and... Hey, where are you? I found something for you. Julius. <laughs> hey, Frankie, that's just the kid we need. Hey, come on in here, Julius. Now, look, Jackson, if you can fool this kid, you can fool anybody. Oh, don't worry, Phil. I'll just sit her in this chair here, and you watch his reaction when he sees me. Okay, Dad, and I certainly what hope... What do you want, Mr. Harris? I come over there. And, Mr. Harris, don't you feel a little chilly? <laughs> no, why? You left your red flannels lying on a chair. <laughs> look, I'm not red flannels. Don't you recognize me, Sonny? You look familiar. Now, I'll give you a hint. I'm that jolly old man with the white beard. Julius, look, he's wearing a red suit and he's got a beard. What is he? A Bolshevik. <laughs> what did he got over his shoulder? A bag of bombs? <laughs> Julius, don't you recognize Santa Claus when you see him? This is Santa Claus? <laughs> That's right, son. I'm old Saint Nick. Tell me what you want for Christmas, or I'll break every bone in your body. <laughs> kind of a Santa Claus I am. Get away from me, you imposter, you. You're nothing but a fake. I am not. Oh, no. What would I find if I lifted up that white wig? A brown one. There goes a cute little child. <laughs> he has all the charm of a wet cigar. <laughs> he has the personality of a torn pocket. <laughs> like I told you, you can't fool Well, kids. you could fool a kid. He's not a kid. He's a wise guy. He's not a barometer. <laughs> what? Barometer. I don't know what it means. We'll look it up after. <laughs> I certainly don't see it here. <laughs> you stay out of there. <laughs> hey, I know very well that Julius is too old anyway. He's, he's a lot older than my kids. Now, when the girls come down, they won't know the difference because Jackson looks old enough to be come able... Come along, children. Come along. Santa's right in here. Well, there he is. Gee, Santa Claus. Hello, Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas and hello again. This is Santa Claus talking. Come here, children, and tell me how you like old Santa. We like you fine, Santa. You're just like we pictured you. Yes, but uh, Santa... 
What is it, my child? You look awfully old. <laughs> oh, 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 I am, little girl. After all, I'm Santa Claus, and I've lived for... I've lived for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. How old are you? Thirty-nine. <laughs> Santa has to be going now. Here are your toys, girl. Thank you, Santa. Yeah, thanks. Well, I'll be seeing you next year. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Up, dancer, up, prancer, up, down, and down. Oh, oh, oh. The big ham. <laughs> Children, what did you think of Santa Claus? I liked him, but I was a little disappointed. Why? I expected him to take out his violin and play Love and Blue. You mean you kids knew it was Mr. Benny? Sure. But we didn't want to say anything and hurt his feelings. Daddy, when is the real Santa coming? Well, uh... Um... Well, you see, honey, he... He... He'll be here soon. Oh, Frankie. (laughs) Look, kids. He may be here too late. Look. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll tell you a Christmas story, and then will you run off the bed? Well, all right, Daddy. But we wanted so much to see him. I know. Well, maybe next year. Now, look, sit on my lap, and I'll tell you a, a beautiful Christmas story. You ready? It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. I thought I heard sleigh bells. No. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced through their heads. The chill. Alice, what are those bells? What's the. Shh, quiet, Curly. you talking to? I don't see anybody. The kids do. Look at them. Gee, Santa, we knew you'd come. He couldn't fool us with any make-believe Santa Claus. We were waiting just for you. Oh, sure, we've been very good girls. Oh, what a lovely dollhouse. Thank you. And all these things are for me? Can I open them now? All right, Santa, we'll wait till morning. Thank you very much. And a Merry Christmas to you, too, Santa. Of course we'll tell them. Merry Christmas, and goodbye, Santa Claus. Bye. I told you he'd show up, Curly. 
Mr. Frankie. I don't get it. I heard it, but I didn't see him. Of course you didn't. He sure is a nice-looking old gent. Alice, did you see him? I'm not sure, Phil. I, I almost thought I saw him standing by the fireplace. But Alice, how could it be? If he was standing... Phil. Phil, what are you staring at? The mantle. Alice. The milk and cookies. They're gone. something to you, and you said, yes, we'll tell them. What did he say? He told us to be sure and wish you and Daddy a Merry Christmas. He did? Hey, wasn't that swell of him? Look, kids, now you're all tucked in, you've seen Santa, and you've had everything you want, so will you go right to sleep? Good night, girls. Good night. Good night, babies. You know something, Alice? We're lucky to have kids like that. They're little darlings. Yes, dear. Can I have a drink of water? Go to sleep! <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when we'll hear several special Christmas shows. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Just in case you're heading out for the holidays, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.